Alright everybody and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle I am of course one of your hosts Mr. Marcus Sally Executive Producer of Shenanigans Incorporated And one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle If this is your first time listening to us, welcome uh, We are but a humble podcast that enjoys talking about movies Not in a pretentious way But as if you were talking with your best good buddies And of course I am joined as always by my best good buddies Let me introduce them to you First up it's the man, the myth, the legend. It's Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, say hi to the folks at home. Hello, folks at home. And, of course, it's the ever-so-lovely, the ever-so-talented Lindley Keed. Lindley, say hi to the folks hi, at home. Hi, folks at home. I leave for one show. One show. I told you I was going to take over someday. And they take over, audience. <laughs> yeah, we did. It was fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> It was a good episode, Thanks. though. It was it was it was a good episode. I know the I know the audience enjoyed it. I was looking at the numbers. The audience was enjoying hey, it. Hey, audience! Um, way to hold it down for our fan in Sweden. Yay! Hi, Sweden. Hey, Sweden. I don't know who, I don't know who this fan is, but if you are the fan who listens to us from Sweden, uh, please reach out to us because <laughs> I just want to know how they found out about popcorn prattle. that's that's really what i'm concerned about um i didn't know we were i didn't know we were international yeah we have to get it it translated hold on now i'm curious i might be related to them Ooh. geez that might be a mistake sir (laughs) or ma'am whoever is whoever you are you you know if you are related to steven i'm i apologize profusely for that (laughs) for revealing that on the air talk sweden (laughs) um but uh audience we have an exciting show for you because uh we are actually debuting two new segments if you've listened to the show before you know that we have uh, our trailer roundups um insert theme music lindley trailer roundup And of course, uh, you know, it's the uh, fan favorite uh, Go Home DC You Are Drunk uh, segment. But tonight we are debuting two new segments. One is called Netflix Picks and the other is called Box Office versus Red Box It. Uh, If you have no idea, if you have no idea what those segments might entail, I mean, I'm you're pretty smart. You can probably figure it out. Uh, but I guarantee you that we are going to have a lot of fun uh, talking about a variety of different movies and maybe uh, turn you on to a couple of cool new streaming shows, maybe on Netflix, maybe on Amazon, maybe on Stars. a little bit of everything for you. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody came out. I got a chance to see it. And I have a discussion question for you guys Ooh. that I would like to brooch with you. Ooh. Brooch, brooch. I keep saying brooch because that's the line that I had for all my sons. Stop trying to be fancy. (laughs) I keep saying it, and and I keep, and every time I think about it, I I think of Steven, and I kind of throw up a little bit in my mouth. Uh, Um, Okay. Okay. Look, I haven't haven't got a chance to talk, I haven't got a chance to make fun of Steven in like almost two whole weeks, okay? Let me have this, Lindley. So you're it. saying you need to get it out of your system? No, I need to get it back in my system. Wait, I need to get what? It back in my system. 
I need to get it back. I think you have it backwards. No, you have it backwards. No, you have it backwards. No, you. I'm going to slap you in the throat. We haven't even officially started this episode, and you two have already started. (laughs) Words have been fired. (laughs) Audience, we're laughing. We're having a good time. Uh, Before we get started, however... um, I did want to say this. If you find that you really enjoy this show, if you really enjoy this episode, do us a favor. Go on to Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening to us. And I want you to hit that subscribe button. If you're on iTunes, I want you to go rate us. I want you to leave us a review. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Share with share this on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Insta, Everywhere, let everybody know that Popcorn Prattle is indeed the film talk podcast to listen to. Do it. End of plug. Do it. Do it. Do Please. it. Do it. We'll love you forever. And a day. We have friends. We have fans in Sweden. How can you not love right? us? Right? <laughs> We're famous in Sweden. <laughs> In one household. That's all that It's a household nonetheless. Yes, yes. (laughs) The fact that we got out of our respective states is is saying something. (laughs) We left our country. We left the country when we went international. The next live show we're going to do, we should do it in Sweden. Just save up all of our pennies. Just for you, special fan. Yeah. We start up a Patreon just for. Just for this reason. Get popcorn paddle to Sweden. <laughs> Get Steven on an airplane again. Dave is listening to this and he's like, what is happening to this show? <laughs> <laughs> you got the you got the band on the Titanic already breaking out their instruments going, gentlemen, it's been a privilege playing with you tonight. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh! I know he broke out. He broke out the Titanic. Reference. Yeah, it's it's, it's gonna be a good it's show. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, I miss you guys so much. <laughs> we missed so you much. too. Um, Lindley, Stephen, are you guys ready? Ready, ready. All right, y'all. Let's prattle. So, audience, Stephen, before the show, uh, told us something. That I just about lost it because I could not believe what I read on the Facebook chat. Steven, you want to tell everybody what you want to say for your nugget? Yes. Because yes, it's going to, I feel like any, if you're a regular listener, this is going to blow your mind. I do not think that I give movies a fair chance anymore. Oh my god. Who are you and what have you done with Steven? This is the main event. (laughs) (laughs) Cue the clip. This is really the show. (laughs) Yeah, you need to get like fireworks going off and like fanfare and trumpets with you in the background just going like, ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Stephen has seen the light finally. I'll stop now. So, okay, let me explain how I came to this conclusion and why it's only, I think it's going to, I'm going to say it's only partially my fault. Um, (laughs) Only partially? Only partially. (laughs) Yes. Because I do think I have a reason why. Um, 
Whether so, it's a good reason or not, that's 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 up for debate. Up for debate. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I think you'll agree with me on this. Um, okay. So here's how I came to this conclusion. What you didn't, what you, what Marcus actually didn't tell you is that this is also going to be a uh, mini review of the new Halloween movie. And you may be saying, but Stephen. Halloween's over. It's November. Halloween's well, you know what? Over. If they can advertise Christmas in the middle of October, then I think Halloween can go over time too. So happy Halloween, everyone. Here's my review. Um, so I saw the trailer for the new Halloween movie and I was not really impressed. I was like, ooh, it's a new Halloween movie. Yay. I didn't care. Um, but then I started hearing some things about it that kind of piqued my interest. Um, first of all, I knew they were going to be retconning, uh, the sequels from three onward. They were going to ignore that. But then I started hearing that, um, and I don't think this is a spoiler to say this at this point. Um, I heard that they were actually retconning Halloween two, the original one. And they were only considering the very first film to be canon. Yeah, because with in this, this new time, in the second one, they say that Michael Myers is actually her brother. <clears throat> yes, and I'll be honest. I mean, if you've heard me on the podcast, you know that I love the original Halloween movie. I think we mentioned that on the last episode, but I did not like the second one. I hated the second one. Everything that was good about the original was completely lost in the sequel. Oh, dang. So, um, there was no subtlety. It was just over the top, whatever. Anyways, kind of hearing that and then hearing some of the reviews this one was getting, people were not only saying it was the best uh, Halloween movie, they were saying it was just a really good movie all around. So, that got me kind of interested. I was like, hmm, it retcons Halloween 2 and everyone's saying it's the best of the sequels. I decided to give it a chance. I decided to actually give it a chance. And you know what I found? I really, really loved this movie. Um, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's, you know, necessarily 100% perfect. It's never going to, you know, match the brilliance of the original, but it comes pretty close. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, it goes back to basics. It really hones in on the whole, Michael Myers as uh, sort of this, is he, is he not supernatural boogeyman uh, idea of the original? And it has a lot of really great suspense. It does have some over-the-top brutal violence, but it never feels, you know, ridiculous like it did in the sequels. You know, it always is meant to ramp up the fear and the anxious factor of of the movie. And there's, without giving away too much, there's a moment towards the end that is exactly on par with what the original film did. There's just a moment, I don't want to say anything, but you you are on edge like, oh my God, oh my God, what's going to (laughs) happen? It's really good. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And when the movie was over, I got out and I was like, you know what? I'm really glad that I went to go see that. Um, You know... Full disclosure, I'm a teacher in North Carolina. So, you know, usually I got to, you know, save those pennies any which way I can. But um, that's not always a good excuse. You know, it is important, I think, to go out and see movies because that is part of, you know, the culture's conversation. You know, we see movies and we discuss them. And 
I realized that, <clears throat> you know, had it not been for the word of mouth about this movie, I probably would not have gone to go see it at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that got me thinking, you know, a lot of the movies that I've seen recently, um, I went to go see either because I already was interested in them or because of word of mouth, like uh, Black Panther. Um, I went to go see that because of word of mouth. I did not see it because of the trailers. Um, you know, things like Star Wars and all that, you know, that was already built in. I would go see those anyways. But a lot of things that I tend to do go see are because of the word of mouth. And so I just want to say that I feel like, and I know we've talked about this topic before, but I feel like Hollywood really needs to step it up with their movie trailers. Because I feel like a lot of times what turns me off to a movie is the trailers. Hmm. Were you not and for all the reasons. Were you not impressed by the huh? Halloween trailer? I wasn't. Hmm. I wasn't. It was I mean, kind of. It was sub. It was kind of subpar. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, compared it, to like other horror movie trailers, like The Nun, I feel did a uh, great job but, of mm. capturing just how scary that yeah. that movie could be. I mean, whether or not it ended up being scary, it it made me want to watch it and possibly be scared. Did you hear right. about and the controversy it, with those trailers, though? Yeah, YouTube pulled them down because they were running them as like paid advertisements, but well, they violated the um, disturbing content clause or something. Well, it was because of the nature of the trailer. The ad would start playing and it wouldn't look like the volume was being turned down on your computer. And you mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. consciously turn up your volume. Then when it would be too late, the image of that freaky nun would pop up with a loud scream. So, like, people were having heart attacks over this. Other, other than that, good marketing. Yeah. Other than the and, heart attacks. And you know, you know who um, I think, if you go back and look, and you know whose movies really make consistently good trailers that don't give away too much? but they give away enough to get you intrigued and interested in in the movie. And they also kind of give you an idea of just how exciting or thrilling the movie will be. Hmm. Hmm. Christopher Nolan movies. Like starting with the dark Knight on all of his movies have consistently had really engaging trailers that, you know, I think honestly would rank among some of the best, the dark Knight, the original trailer was really good. Yeah. The Dark Knight Rises had a few trailers in there that had moments that, again, didn't give away too much, but got you interested to go see it. Yeah, it's better um, than the movie was. In- <laughs> Inception had a great trailer that was so good that everyone in Hollywood decided to copy it. Uh, and uh, Christopher Nolan, I don't know who his marketing team is, but they realized that everyone in Hollywood was copying it. So they made something completely different for Interstellar and then Dunkirk. And his trailers are all just really good. And they do, I mean, they do sell out and get those tickets sold Mm -hmm. because they're just Mm -hmm. really good trailers. And, you know, for the most part, I think his movies are really good. So, you know, I I do hear y'all when you say I need to see more movies and give more movies a chance. Um I just I just feel like I feel like for me personally 
I need to see something in the trailers that makes me want to go see them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't like the whole, like, not, there was a 99% chance I would not have gone see Halloween. I mean, for one thing, the movie is called Halloween, and it's a sequel to Halloween. I mean, just call it Halloween 2018, or I think the original title was going to be Halloween Returns or something. That's, that's uh-huh. a dumb title, too, though. <laughs> like Halloween. Yeah, but I mean, just, just something to differentiate yeah. it from the original. Yeah, they couldn't name it after their year because they tried that with H2O, and we all know how H2O turned out. <laughs> it turned into water. Oh my gosh! Sorry, but I don't know what 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 do y'all think? I mean, because Marcus, you had just you just said, um, you know, about you know some trailers being subpar and um, versus the one that was you know really did capture how scary it could be. Um, I don't know. What are y'all's thoughts on movie trailers today? I mean, to me, a movie trailer has to do. I mean, it just has to. To me, it has to do like a couple of things, and if it does at least one of these really well, then I'm gonna go see it. Like, it has to, like, it has to get me at least a little bit interested in, you know, what's what's happening on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna talk about Bohemian Rhapsody in a moment. Um, watching that trailer, it got me really excited to to watch this movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, I think about Creed two that's coming out in in Thanksgiving. Um, that trailer got me so excited because you know it it's a story that you knew from the first movie was coming. So for me as a fan of the first movie, like I got what I wanted. Like you're telling me like what you're expecting. This is this is coming now. How we're gonna tell this story? We're not going to show you that because that's why we want you to come see the movie. Yeah. Um, but we're letting <laughs> yeah. you know, at least right now, like we're going to take care of you. Like we're not going to just delay this big showdown that everybody wants to see, yeah. you know. Um, that's a good way to I phrase feel- it. The, there needs to be an assurance that the movie is going to take care of you. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be like we're showing you all the best parts now so mm-hmm. that you buy the ticket and see all the boring stuff we decided not to show you or whatnot. Like, it has to be a good movie. And I think, mm-hmm. I guess I just feel like I want that assurance that's going to be good. But sometimes you, you don't always get that in a trailer because, yeah. um, you know, you look at uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Live, Die, Repeat, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That trailer was horrible. Um, and I feel like the movie suffered because, like, it didn't, like, it, Live, Die, Repeat didn't get attention until it came out on, on DVD because the trailer was just so bad. <laughs> yeah. But the people that had to go see it, they were like, no, this movie's actually awesome. Um, and, you know, it, it took word of mouth to convince people to give it a shot when it came out on uh, DVD and I think and I don't think they used the the original trail the movie like the cinematic trailer um, or sorry the theatrical trailer for the DVD release they they cut a new one that actually showed uh, what the movie was actually like that it yeah. was action packed that it was funny um, that it had comedic moments in there uh, and that you were going to go on like a really wild ride. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, and and I I don't know. I just feel like, um, 
I can't always trust a trailer. Exactly. Yeah, that's know? what I was like, going to say can't... because okay, some no, of no, the no. times trailers can be better. They they can either have two faults. They can be better than the actual movie is because mm-hmm. you all know how I hate Suicide Squad, but dang if that second trailer wasn't good, it got me so pumped. Yeah, and only to yeah. get my heart shattered. It can either do that, or it can show the entire movie and leave, be like, oh, I didn't have to pay $15 for a movie ticket. I could just watch the trailer, mm-hmm. and it's basically the movie. Right, right. Yeah. <coughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. I, I love mean, that movie, but the trailer, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to, it was nice to see, like, all the scenes that I missed from the trailer, but it was basically just walking around. That's what I missed. The action stuff. You saw it in the trailer. Yeah. You know, but I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. Steve. I mean, a a trailer can definitely make or break a movie as far as like whether or not you, you go, but I, I, in all honesty, like I said, I think ever since I saw live, die, repeat, I was like, I'm never trusting Let's another trailer. Watch it tomorrow, I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> ah, it needs to be yeah. called. What is it? What was the original? All you need is kill. Yeah, that's a great. I love that title. Just, I was like, like that's oh, a great title. It. Why didn't they keep that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but audience, let us know. Let us know in the in the comments on Twitter or on our uh, you know semi active. Facebook group. I don't know if you yeah, guys have been checking it out. Yeah, there's been um, quite a bit of activity. Thanks, guys. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely check it out um, and kind of let us know what you guys think about uh, this conversation. Um, speaking of this particular conversation, I mentioned earlier that I got a chance to see Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, highly encourage you guys to see it. It is. I don't know. Are, are you guys big Queen fans by any chance? Was it the real you life? Know, Was it fantasy? Were you caught in a landslide with no escape from reality? Lindley, open your eyes. <laughs> Look up to the skies. And see. I'm just a poor boy. I need no sympathy. <laughs> this was a great. This was such a great, great movie. Um, is it the best movie? Like, is is Bohemian Rhapsody going to win all the awards at, at the Oscars? Absolutely not. Um, it might walk away with one, maybe if that. Um, and it's and if it does, it's probably going to be for best actor with uh, Ray. That's Malik. what I've heard. Uh, he does. I mean, he completely transforms into Freddie Mercury. Um, and he just makes him so he has this way of like he'll make him larger than life in one scene and make him like just small and just an average sad human being in another um the i love the prosthetics in his mouth and how it just changed his voice um just the way he i mean he i mean he I, was, I looked up videos of Freddie Mercury and he's doing like all of the same moves. It's like, you know, it's like he literally like just channels him yeah. uh, into his, into his body, the entire performance. Um, I thought everybody, I thought the whole cast was great. Um, I thought the, 
the um there were a lot of powerful scenes within it uh i thought they uh tastefully handled um his sexuality they tastefully handled when he does contract aids um it wasn't like i don't know it just it it wasn't they didn't do it like as like shock value you know what i mean yeah good 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 like there was no like weird awkward like orgy scene or something like that where it's like why you didn't need that you know like just tell the story that would have been Um, so disrespectful yeah yeah it really would have and you and you could tell like you know this was i mean this this movie and i'll tell you and this is this is my this may be why not a lot of people are like like raving about it but it is a love letter to freddie mercury Hmm. it's it's a love letter to freddie mercury and it just and it just celebrates him and that's okay um it follows a lot of cliches when you, you know, I don't know if you guys ever saw Walk Hard. Oh, my God. The Dewey Cox story. But, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's parts, in du- there's parts in Walk Hard where he's like, like you got to walk. He's like, I got to walk hard. I have to walk hard. And it's like, that's how they come up with, like, all the songs. It's like Freddie Mercury's with his, with his uh, at the time, wife. And he's got a piano above him. And he's like, he plays like the opening part of Bohemian Rhapsody, and he's like, it has potential. And like they, <laughs> you know, and like Mike Myers is in it, and he's like, he's like, mark my words, nobody will ever know Queen. And it's like, <laughs> really, like that's, it's like it's like it's the cheesiness of it. Like you know, it's like you expect it from, uh, you know, like a, a '90s biopic or something. Um, but here it is, 2018. We're we're seeing it, and I. I did not mind it. I was sat there and I was like, you know what? This is just, this is just a fun movie, you know? And, and kind of like in the same vein that you were talking about, Steven, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say that this is its own topic because it really does pair up nicely with what you were talking about. You know, some movies we, we, we have to just watch it and just like, and if we, if we enjoy it, like it's okay. It doesn't have to be the best movie. Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be- break box office records, um, you know. It, people don't always have to be clamoring after it, you know. I got it. I got a chance to finally watch um, Bad Times at the El Royale. So Did not disappoint at all, uh, in the slightest. Uh, still thinking about it. Um, got a chance to watch First Man. That movie is absolutely incredible. Um, it's like it's like you know here's these movies that again we talked about this um not last episode obviously but the episode was before where you know like we're missing out on like these like these great movies and you know and i feel like you know, i'm like we got to take a step back and like just get back to enjoying movies again you know like go see halloween if you hate it hate it you know that's the best that's the best part about it you do you um do. but you but you might go and, you know, like Stephen said, you might go and you might be like, oh, snap, this was actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Because um, that's, uh, I, I didn't think that Bohemian Rhapsody was going to be bad, but it, it did exceed my expectations. You know, like it did, I did go into it thinking like, mm, this might, this might be garbage. Like there's a good chance that this might be boring and just uh, kind of a lame story. Uh, but like I said, it, it wasn't. 
and I think it's because of Rami Malek's performance. <laughs> I heard Sasha Baron Corbin, not Corbin. Corbin? Cohen. Uh, it's that's sorry, right, that's a wrestler. Baron Corbin is a wrestler. <laughs> this isn't Sasha Baron. <laughs> R.I.P. Rasselcast. Oh. Um, yeah. uh, what, what is what is his name? Sasha Cohen. Baron Co- Cohen. 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 Yeah, that guy. Um, Borat. I, I guess he was supposed to play Freddie Mercury. Yeah, at first. he was supposed to. I don't know what happened. And I, well, uh, the rumor was like, like, oh, he thought the script was trash. I was like, he probably couldn't hack it mm. as an actor. To be quite honest with you. Um, because Rami Malek looked like he was, he just, you did not see him. Um, and I, and I, I mean, I just love that guy. I love him from Mr. Robot. Um, he just, he just digs so deeply into characters, um, that he loses himself. You forget who you're watching. And if, if anything, I mean, I will, I mean, I've, I've said this on the show about many actors, but Rami Malek is definitely one of the great actors of our time mm-hmm. right now. Um, just because of the work that he does, not just in Bohemian Rhapsody, but in like, in everything that like he does. Like Night at the Museum. Um, like Night. <sighs> you know, Robin Williams also did some bad stuff, but you know what? We don't talk about that. Who said Night at the, the Museum genie? was bad? I like oh, the I thought, first one. Oh, I thought one? it was a dig. Oh, I thought it was a dig. I'm no. sorry. Tiger got out of the cage. Calm yourself, Marcus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I'm excited because uh, we are about to finally have our first uh, top new topic. New segment. Let's fix. Woo. It's called Netflix Picks. I, guys, there's a lot. Netflix is, Netflix is kind of killing it lately as far as some of its original content. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's still some bad stuff. There's still some heart, heart, hot garbage stuff. <laughs> um, but there, there is plenty of stuff on there that does not disappoint. Um, so, audience, what this is, is we are going to, and it's not just Netflix, um, it can be Amazon Prime, it can be Hulu, but what we're going to do is we are actually going to roundtable. We're going to give you guys some of our favorite picks. Um, we have three apiece, so we're going to try to try to keep it moving along as possible, um, but we are going to try to sell you on some of these picks. Hopefully you guys will watch them. Maybe you've already watched them. Um, but if you are, you know, it's a three-day weekend, you know, if you need some, if you need something to watch, especially coming up on Thanksgiving, maybe you need something to watch when, like, your family invades your your house and you want to get away, pop up on that phone, check out some of these Netflix picks. Um, so who would like to start the, the round table? And just as... To- just to clarify, picks. it's not just Netflix we're going to be talking about. It is not. It is not just Netflix picks. Isn't well, sorry. It's not just Netflix shows or movies. It could be anything. I'll start. I was about to say, Lindley. We uh, Stephen oh. started the first one. I started the second one. You take this one. Uh, well, one thing that I've watched recently on Netflix is something I wasn't planning to like as much as I did because the title is ridiculous. Mm. It's absolutely ridiculous. And even now I'm having to look it up just to make sure I get it right. But I'm a sucker for a a good period drama. 
I'm a sucker for a good, you know, maybe a little romance story. And I checked out the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. What? What? That's the that is the title. <laughs> that is the title of the movie. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. It's Explain. It is the cutest <laughs> little movie. It starts with it starts towards the end of World War II. Well, not towards the end, kind of like okay. in the middle of World War II. Uh, these, these, um, there's an island kind of off the coast of England uh, that is being occupied by the Germans. A group is coming home in the middle of the night, and they get caught by a group of Nazis. And they're questioning them about where they've been and everything. And in order to save their necks, they said, we've been at a book club. We have a literary society. And because of the rations, the only thing they really had to eat was potatoes and other things. So they're like, yes, we have a potato peel pie. And because of that, because of their lie, they had to continue with their little society and it... It's like a group of characters kind of like coming together and living mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. this tragic event. So you find out about that. Uh, you skip forward and you meet with an... It's after World War II. You meet with a very successful author played by Lily James. Uh, if you don't know, she's from Downton Abbey. She was the live-action Cinderella. Uh, she gets a letter from the Potato Peel Pie Society. Literary... Pe- <laughs> she's from the book club. Mm-hmm. She gets a letter from the book club saying, we love your stuff. Um, it'd be great if you came and spoke to us. So she goes, she meets these people, and you find out there's more of a mystery to this group than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is let on because a certain member is missing. They talk about this person a lot, but they're not around anymore. So it's about her getting to know these people, falling in love with this little island, and discovering the mysteries of the group. It's Hmm. the cutest little movie. And again, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, but it's uh, it's just really cute. If you want to feel good, you want to feel good movie... You know, you're it's it's a rainy day. You want a feel good movie, you want a little romance. You watch watch this movie with a really weird title. Don't don't judge a movie by its title because it's a ridiculous title, this movie, <laughs> but it's adorable. Nice. <laughs> oh sorry, I thought I thought something had broken. I was like, <laughs> "Cause you just like you stopped like right on a dime." Hold on a second. I'm gonna. Can everybody clap? Because <laughs> I'm gonna. Edit, I'm gonna edit that big breakout. Yes. Ready? One, two, three. Clap. Nice, Lindley. Uh, Stephen, what about you? What is your pick? Well, okay. So this uh, first one, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. It's technically it's an, it's on NBC, but. Uh, we discovered it on Netflix. Um, the Good Place. Oh. This show is really good. It is a good place. Oh, my gosh. 
Um, I can't. <laughs> it's too late. The doors are locked, and I think the key is outside somewhere. But anyways, The Good Place is a really fun show. Uh, great performances from Kristen Bell and Ted Danson. Um, and just, you know, it it's one of those shows that, you know, hooks you from the beginning. But for me to really dive into any more descriptions about it, I feel like would be kind of ruining a lot of the surprises because um, it basically really just kind of keeps building and building uh, with a new twist all the time. And uh, the central plot is that uh, Kristen Bell's character, um, she wakes up and realizes that she has died and she learns that she's in the good place. And, you know, it's sort of supposed to be like heaven where everything's perfect. But she quickly confides to uh, Chidi, who's supposed to be her soulmate, that she actually doesn't really belong there. She was a horrible person and uh, is not the Eleanor that uh, they were talking about. That's her name, Eleanor, in the show. And um, it just kind of escalates from there. And it just it gets crazy how far it escalates in just two seasons of them trying to keep up the appearance that she belongs in a good place um, and avoiding eternal damnation. But other than that, it's just a really funny show. Like, just kind of seeing Kristen Bell and Ted Danson kind of go head-to-head all the time, it's such a delight to watch. It's like, like, like all the characters have really good chemistry together, and the writing is really good, and the comedic timing is really good, and it's just a, you know, a really warm show. You'd think a show that talks about, like, what happens after, you know, death would be kind of uh, an anxiety-inducing show, but it's actually a really calming show. Like, if you're ever, like like you said, if it's a rainy day and you're just looking for something good and fun to kind of watch, The Good Place is where it's at. Oh, I I absolutely love that show. <laughs> it's it's like that that show is my bread and butter. I I I will watch that show and have literally been crying laughing um just by how funny it is. Um that's a great pick. You know, especially since they're on season is season 3 over yet? No, no I think they're still, still in I season 3. I think it's like three. in the middle. The, yeah. Okay. So you have time to catch up? I thought so. Yeah. I can see it on Hulu. Yes. I need I need to. I need to I need to catch up on it because I finished season 2 because I was wondering what was going to happen going into season 2. Um and they did not disappoint. They they completely uh found a new found a way to make this show uh fresh and exciting. Um so Take a look at it. Steve, that's a good pick. That's a very good pick. Thank you. I was going to mention, and I'm going to make a shameless plug, I was going to mention Daredevil uh, Season 3 that uh, came out a couple of weeks ago. But if you would like to get a uh, a deeper um, explanation on my feelings about Daredevil, you should check me out on our... Sister, brother, I don't know what the proper terminology is, but Shenanigans Incorporated, our network has grown by one 
We now have another podcast. Um, Mitchell Hansen, who uh, has met Lindley. I don't, Stephen, you haven't gotten a chance to meet him just yet. We had pizza together. Um, but hopefully one day you will. What's that? We had pizza together. We did. We all had pizza together. Um, we have started a new show called Not So Famous. Um, all about it's a variety show all about being a millennial in uh, 2018 and trying to make it as an artist. And uh, he's he's been doing a great job. One of the segments that we have, we talk a little bit about uh, TV and whatnot, and that's and that's what we talked about. We talked about Daredevil. So if you want to hear about Daredevil, you're gonna have to go over to Not So Famous. Boom. Um, instead, what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to start in order of what I watched. Um, so I'm going to start off with actually the Seven Deadly Sins Revival of the Commandments. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an anime, actually. Uh, this is a Netflix original anime. And if you guys haven't gotten a chance to see it, you need to. It's awesome. <laughs> it's um you think of like the best episodes of Dragon Ball Z or Sailor Moon or any of those shows, um, Yu Hakusho, and cut out most of the filler. Um, and that is the Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, the show is uh, essentially about this um, this princess who goes on this journey to find all of the seven deadly sins because the holy knights that have been tasked with protecting uh, Britannia uh, Britannia, um, have betrayed them. And so she goes out to find these legendary badass knights called the seven deadly sins Mm -hmm. who are seven. There's seven people made up of the seven different races in this world. So there's like the leader is a demon. Uh, One is uh, one one uh, sin is a uh, a giant. One is the fairy king. One is Merlin, who is actually like the greatest mage in the land. Mm-hmm. One is this dude named uh, Bon, who has uh, he was given permission to drink from the fountain of youth. Um, so now he's immortal. He just he goes into fights and he's like they cut him in half and he literally puts himself back together. And then he talks crap. He's like Deadpool, but like in anime form, <laughs> um, essentially. And he um, and the, the 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 show is it's incredibly witty. It is a little. It does follow some anime tropes, um, in particular with the main character Meliodas. Um, what a name, Meliodas! Yeah, well, they're all based it off. Sounds of, like a disease. They, well, they're all based off of. Um, the Knights of the Round Table. Do they dance wherever they're able? Do they do routines and core yeah. scenes and footwork and piquable? <laughs> I um I I fell in love with this the first uh season uh last year, well no, two years ago, and then it finally came back with season two officially. Um where now there is a new group called the Ten Commandments. And they are all comprised of demons. Oh, it's, um, it's flipping who, it on its head. Yes, you th- yes, You think yes. the commandments would be good, but it's not. Um, and they are just, they're, they're terrifying. Like, they're, like, where I'm at right now in the season, I haven't finished it yet. But they're just going around uh, stealing souls so that they can get power 
because and they haven't revealed why exactly they're doing this, but they want to kill Meliodas for some reason. Uh, but they keep hinting that Meliodas might have been their leader um, in the demon world. And he was the only one to make it out of the demon world. He betrays his, he betrays his old colleagues to form the seven deadly sins who are actually good. Um, so it's a great show. I highly encourage it. I highly encourage you to watch it. Uh, like I said, it's very funny. Yesterday I was watching an episode and I almost, I almost cried. Didn't cry. Cause this is us took all my tears. Um, but it got pretty close, and if you're looking for a good anime with a lot of heart, this is the one that you need to watch. So, that's my pick. Ooh. One of my picks. That's that's the first one. Lindley. Yeah. Pick number two. Okay. This isn't going to be easy. Um, <laughs> can I make a confession? Sure. I really like Riverdale. There, I said it. I I I only watch fifteen minutes, Lindley. I get it. I really do. I get I watched fifteen minutes and I was already hooked. I was like, I don't want to leave, but I have to go to bed because I have to work. (laughs) I I am usually not a fan. There are very few CW esque shows that I enjoy. Mm, mm. Like Vampire Diaries, that is pretty hockey. I don't, I know Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is on the CW, but it's not a CW show. I agree. It's not, it doesn't have that formula. Riverdale is the definition of a CW show, and yet I love it so much. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. For those of you who don't know what Riverdale is, or are on Tumblr all the time and just see all these posts and wonder, like, what the heck is going on? Riverdale is based on the Archie comic characters. Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica. But it takes more inspiration from the recent Archie comics, which are pretty dark. Like, Mm. the first season is a murder mystery. Mm -hmm. With, Mm -hmm. like, some cliche teen shows thrown in and it's my guilty pleasure I know it's not great but I love it and it gets dark mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you would not think for a show that has to do with Archie would be dark but it is mm-hmm. also um, I don't know if you guys remember do you, do you remember the show Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? Uh, I remember hearing of it. I was too old for that uh, so show. My siblings watched it. Th- yeah, it was a story about these two twin kids. You know, they w- lived in a hotel and run amok. Mm-hmm. Whew. One of the brothers, Cole Sprouse, he plays Jughead. He glowed up. <laughs> Jughead, what have you done? Did you say glowed yeah. up? That's what the kids say. Oh, is that what what the the kids kids are saying now, Lindley? That's what the kids say. This is as the the late, great Dr. Tribble would once say, this is exactly why we're all going to hell in a rickshaw. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's so weird seeing 
someone I would watch as a kid in a kid show. Mm-hmm. Now pretty grown up. And and every but every male in the show likes to show off a six pack at least once of a course. season. It's for the tweens. For the tweens, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. I don't. I don't want it, and yet I do. I'm conflicted. Oh my god, Lindley, are you? Okay? No, I'm not. <laughs> I thought that was obvious. <laughs> okay. Um, but story wise, it's really intriguing. It's a pretty good murder mystery. The characters mm-hmm. are very memorable. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. Go watch Riverdale. Get sucked in like I am, so you can feel as guilty as I do. Hmm. I definitely, I'm, I'm definitely hooked. Again, fifteen minutes. I was already in. So I will, I will let you know after season one, Lonely, what I, what please I please do, please do. There's also they have a musical episode. Oh, it's not yeah, it's they, not a great episode me. at all but as a musical theater person it's good to see them bring to light a musical that isn't that popular like they don't do mm-hmm. wicked or sound of music they do carry the musical well, of course they do because it's dark and edgy dark and edgy and Betty, what have you done it's riverdale <laughs> this isn't your grandpa's Archie. Oh this is ain't your grandpa's Archie. <laughs> Steven, what about you? What's your second pick? Jughead? Oh, oh, my second pick. Um, <laughs> Jughead <laughs> is your second pick. No. <laughs> um, um, I actually don't have too much to say about this one other than um, there's actually a whole series of these, but um, it's called The 90s. Um, CNN, they did a special, and I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but they did one on the eighties and I know they've done one on the seventies and those are both really informative. But one that I saw recently, uh, was the nineties and that popped up on, uh, on Netflix recently and it's just really informative. You know, you know, I grew up in the nineties. So for me, the nineties is Jurassic Park and Disney, and getting my heart broken a few times, and Pokemon, because I was a little kid, and I didn't know much of what was going on in the world at that time. Um, But what this show kind of does is it really does kind of contextualize sort of the geopolitical landscape, as well as, it doesn't, I mean, it talks about politics, but it talks about other things, too, like, you know, pop culture, and kind of how technology was evolving, the rise of the internet age. And it's just really fascinating to kind of see sort of a docuseries that kind of puts the 90s uh, in sort of its place in history, so we can kind of see like, oh, so that's why things like this are like this today, and where we were, and how we've kind of gotten to this place. So it is kind of informative to someone who, you know, may have been too young to really follow along with, you know, world news in the 90s. Now I have a much clearer picture of what was going on. So it's really fascinating. And, you know, I realize history may not be everyone's favorite topic, but it really is engagingly done. And I do recommend the series for anyone who's interested in it. Nice. Uh, So, yeah. 
I um for my second pick, I am gonna go a little bit out of order because I want to kind of build to this one because I was uh, my last pick. I was just blown away by it. Um, but uh, my second pick that I'm gonna choose is House of Cards. House of Cards came back for its final season. Um, I I will say watch it only because you know let's go ahead and just finish the complete story i haven't finished it yet um to be honest i have not devoured the season um as i have the previous seasons just because it it's kind even without kevin spacey it's kind of tainted for Mm -hmm. me you know it's like i just like it's not as it's not as interesting i think claire the character of claire um underwood who is played by Robin Wright, who is a phenomenal actress, don't get me wrong. Um, I think the character needs, you know, needed Frank Underwood. She needed that, she needed the Macbeth to her Lady Macbeth. And without Macbeth, she's just kind of there, like... She's kind of just it's it becomes to me it's it's cliche, you know. She's like you don't like me because I'm a woman and I'm gonna show you. And I'm like, all right, but we've seen this story before, like in other things. The nice thing about House of Cards is that, you know, she her character has always you know one up people, you know she's always outsmarted them. She's never like. She was she was Lady Macbeth. She was like, unsex me here. She didn't, it wasn't a matter of her gender. She just did things and got things done like a badass. Just as a person. Not even not just like a, a woman. Just a person in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it's kind of lost that. There's a lot of focus on how, because um, I'm not spoiling anything because obviously Kevin Spacey's not on the show. But the whole premise of this season is how did Frank Underwood actually die? Because in the first episode, you find out Frank has uh, died in his sleep in his bed. But if you watch the previous season, Frank was actually kicked out of the White House by Claire. And she was living there by herself. And Frank was calling her because he was like, uh, you were supposed to, um, you know, make sure I didn't get impeached. And she just hangs up the phone and is like, it's my turn. And an end of the last season. And then at the top of this season, it's, it's basically the story of Macbeth at the end. But if Lady Macbeth survived and Macbeth killed himself. And to me, that's it's just not as it's not as interesting, and I don't know why because I love Robin Wright, I love I love the character, and I hate the fact that the character kind of needed kind of needs Frank in order to complete the story. Now, maybe if they didn't wrap it up in the mystery of how did Frank Underwood die, maybe that would make it stronger for me. Um, but as of right now, it's okay. You know, I'm not like every episode doesn't have my jaw dropping anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, how can they do that? Like, oh, what's gonna happen next? Ooh, what's this? What's that? It it really just feels like everything's getting like 
wrapped up as quickly as possible and it's like let's just let's just finish the story you know and then everybody will be happy and then we never have to talk about Kevin Spacey again and we can take House of Cards off of Netflix you know really quick after like a year or so Hmm. so watch it make your own decision you know if you if you agree with me you know, let me know if you if you disagree with me. Please let me know because I I would love to see some people that actually like this season of House of Cards because I want to know why because I am not I am not feeling it this season. It's kind of a weird pick. It's like watch it to tell me if I'm wrong or not. <laughs> uh, Lindley, what's your last pick? My last pick, and I am so happy to finally say this. The Droughtlander is finally over. I'm sorry. What did you just call the it? The Droughtlander. It's an actual thing. Jesus. Jesus. That's a nice Web. play on words. It, apparently it started. So if if you don't know, I'm talking about Outlander. Outlander is back for its fourth season. But when Outlander first premiered, there was a very long hiatus between the first half of season one and the second half of season one because they didn't know if it was going to continue. And Mm. a lot of fans were waiting a long time for the show to come back and thus the term Droughtlander began. So I did not create Mm. this. I can't take credit for it. (laughs) But I've been waiting. You know, they really hyped us up at New York Comic Con and it premiered uh, Sunday night, last Mm. Sunday, and I was not expecting the intensity of the episode. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, here's, here's me being hip. I was shook. I, <laughs> You're really aiming for that, that, that teen demographic. My <laughs> students are, who listen to the show, by the way, I bet they're like flipping out right now. They're like, oh, she said lit. Or they're making you fun of you. You can't see they, me, children, but I am dabbing. Now, so. Oh, Jesus, please don't dab. <laughs> no, I have no standards. <laughs> um, so, for those of you who don't know the story of Outlander, the basic premise is that a woman from 1945 stumbles back in time to the 1700s in Scotland uh, during the Jacobite Rebellion. Of That's the first season. We skip forward, and now the main character, Claire, and her now husband, Jamie, are, they have traveled and happened upon America in its beginnings. So that's the whole Mm. premise of this season, is the two characters being in colonial America. Um, It's a few years before the revolution happens. So everything is still fresh, and it's a new beginning for the characters, and it's a new beginning in a new land, Um, and we've got some new characters, too. One was introduced in the the first episode, a new villain named Stephen Bonnet, and oh my gosh, I was screaming at the television. He's... We haven't had a villain like this on Outlander since the first season. Since a character Hmm. called Black Jack Randall. And it got me so excited for the rest of the season. 
Because mm-hmm. these characters have aged in time. They're not like young ingenues anymore. Mm-hmm. Their their wants, their needs, and themselves have have aged. So you think like, yeah. oh, they're they're just trying to settle down. Who no, this it's this show is still really, really intense. And I'm not gonna spoil what happens in the scene. But the episode mm. ends on a very intense note. It starts, and you start to hear Ray Charles's America the Beautiful begin to play. Mm-hmm. And slowly, the audio of the scene cuts out, and all you hear is the song. I cannot listen to that song the same way again. Mm. It's one of those things where you put a positive with a negative. Mm-hmm. It's it was really intense, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I recommend um, all of seasons one, two, three are on the Stars app, and if you have Amazon Prime, I think there's like a deal where you can watch watch it on Amazon Prime. I recommend catching up because season four is going to be so good. Nice, I'm already excited, and we don't get a chance to talk about Outland. No, we don't. The show. Very, very much. We talked um, about it earlier you're... when I started getting into it. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I was like, oh, it's just going to be, this is just going to be something I watch in between getting ready for Game of Thrones. But no, it's mm-hmm. got some really good characters, some really intriguing stories in a time period that isn't really focused on that often. Mm-hmm. I, I just got my friend into it. Through my obsession, I've had people message me on Instagram be like, I've started watching this show because of you and I'm addicted. And my friend has been watching it recently and she'll mess she'll text me when she's watching it, and many of her texts are, I cannot fall in love with a fictional character. I cannot fall in love with a fictional character. I was like, Jesus Now what? you know how I feel about the show. Mm-hmm. It's great. If you get a chance, give yeah. Outlander a try. It's a lot of fun. I most certainly will. Steven, what about your last pick? Uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like um, this is kind of a silly one to follow that up with. Uh, it's, but um, It's different. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's one of those, I mean, it's it's Monty Python. If you've ever seen The Holy Grail or Life of Brian, you pretty much know what you're going to get um, as long, you know, as long as it was acceptable for the BBC standards at the time. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, insanity. So you have to be in the right frame of mind to just sit back and shut your brain off and have some fun. Mm-hmm, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of good comedic stuff in there. Um, I didn't even realize it was on uh, Netflix. I know, or is it not right? On Netflix. Yeah, like it's on. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Like we were just kind of scrolling through, looking for something short and fun to watch, and was like, "What? Monty Python's yeah. on? Okay." <laughs> so yeah, you know, it's got all the classic sketch uh, bits, like um, uh, no one ever expects the Spanish Inquisition. Right, um, right, things like that. So, yeah, lots of good, uh, lots of good uh, stuff. So, hey, boys and girls, 
if, uh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up and if you're kind of like me or parents and family like to quote uh, Monty Python a lot, even if you've never seen it. So <laughs> maybe give it a check and maybe you'll finally understand all those quotes your parents keep using. Because <laughs> Lord knows I needed to learn pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Like they kept going, no one expects a Spanish Inquisition. And they they would make this look like I'm supposed to get the joke. And I'm like, what? And right, I didn't right. realize, it was like, oh, it's, oh, they're quoting something. <laughs> so, now I know. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Ha. Huh. I, um, my last pick, and, and I'm actually going to do like a, a small honorable mention just because, Stephen, just like you, I was scrolling through Netflix and I saw this and I was, uh, I freaked out a little bit. If you guys have not gotten a chance to see it, The Witch is on <gasps> Netflix. Oh my gosh. And it's it's such a scary movie. If you haven't watched it, it is legitimately scary. Go watch it. It's amazing. Not... Um that's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, goats. Just the Just goats. <laughs> Black Philip. <gasps> so scared already. Um Could you anyways. do that squeal again? No. Do it, um, <laughs> it was such a great squeal. But what I will talk about, though, is uh, the chilling adventures of Sabrina, which is why I started watching Riverdale. <laughs> um, because I watched, I watched Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I, guys, I fell in love with this show. Are you kidding me? It's nothing like the a, old, old Melissa Joan Hart ABC family. Uh, sitcom. No, it's not. It's to me. I. It's it's better for this day and age. Like I feel like Sabrina, the teenage witch, would not fly nowadays. Yeah, it'd be too hokey. Yeah, like I feel like it would it would have lasted a season and then they would have canceled it. Um. Meanwhile, we have um the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is, you know. They haven't explicitly said it, but it you can tell like it is definitely meant to be like connected to the Riverdale. Um I like that they're not that they're not like willing to pull the trigger as far as being like, let's have Archie show up in the Chilling Adventure Sabrina or something. Um I like that they're they're kind of like staying their hand, they're letting the story just kind of be its own thing. Um and it benefits from it greatly. There are several, this movie, this, this movie, this show is dark. Um, it begins with Sabrina talking about her dark baptism, where she's going to have to sign the book of the beast and sign her soul away to the devil so that she can have ultimate power as a witch. Um, um, there's, uh, Salem is in it. Salem's in every episode, but Salem does not speak, which for pe- for fans of the original series, that's like a big drawback because Salem was the big comedic relief um, in the original series. But in this show, Salem is her fam- is truly her familiar. You know, mm-hmm. like Salem doesn't speak, but Salem definitely helps her out in several. Like you can tell, like Salem is um, intelligent. Like it's he's not just like a. a like a slave or anything like that. Um, Salem makes his own decisions. He goes wherever he wants. And she even gets Salem 
by like asking him, do you want to be my familiar? Salem's like, I ain't got nothing else better to do. Let's hang out. Um, it is the best way I can describe it. And I describe it to my students this way. It is American horror story without all the sex. Hmm. It's, 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 it's scary. It is, there's comedic moments in it. Not to say that there's no sex in it um, whatsoever. There are like some moments that fit with the story. It's not like sex just for the sake of sex. Um, but in, but within the story, it just, I just think it's great storytelling. I think it's strong. There's definitely some hokey moments it definitely, as you know, like Lindley said, CW shows have like a certain feel to it. This feels like a CW show. <laughs> and I don't mind it. I, I dig it. If you want to call it, I mean, if, if Chilling Adventures could be my guilty pleasure, then so be it. <laughs> um, but it is, I, I mean, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. Um, Aunt Hilda and Aunt Zelda are amazing in this series. Um, there's a lot, it's a lot darker. There's a lot of heart in it. Um, there was a, there was a moment that almost made me cry, but again, this is us. It took all my tears. Um, but this, this show just, um, I don't know. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. And the nice thing is it is only part one. Um, I think it's 12 episodes long and they did part one. So I'm wondering when they're going to do part two of this, of season one. Um, hopefully it does not go the way of the get down, where they did part one and then part two, and then they canceled the show before it got any traction. Um, but right now, definitely go check out The Chilling Adventure Sabrina. It's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. guys... Guys, that was that was our first segment um, of, you know, Netflix picks. Obviously, we didn't just tell you just Netflix picks, uh, but audience, uh, let us know uh, in the comments. Just let us know, like, you know, have you seen any of these shows or are there any shows that maybe we need to be looking at? Maybe your pick can be on the next Netflix picks uh, on the next episode. Um, audience, we're going to take a brief break. Um, and let you hear from a podcast that maybe you uh, haven't gotten really gotten a chance to hear yet. We're going to introduce you to a new one. And then when we come back, we are going to end um, with our box office and red box picks. Stay tuned. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were. Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, okay. and each episode so, we take a look audience, at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that sort of material. So whether you know the comics um, and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. And it's become like a running gag, so I thought it might be fun if we actually made a segment out of it um, instead of just doing like a one-off thing, you know, on movies we, we don't like <coughs> DC films, um, <laughs> we can actually say for some of these movies and ironically, funny thing, 
none of these are comic book movies. Like none of these are comic book movies. So it'll be Woo. so it'll be very interesting to see what we what we say we're gonna go see or what we would maybe red box. So here's how this is gonna work. Uh myself, Lindley, and Steven will go around and we are gonna either say box office or red box it. Once we've got, once we've given our picks, once we find out exactly what we are going to uh, do as far as going to see the movie, we are going to give you just the briefest of explanations on why, because we have a number of uh, films to get through today. Um, all right, so are you guys ready? ready? Ready. The first film is The Grinch. Starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, So here's a brief synopsis on it. Uh, This is from Wikipedia, for those of you at home. Uh, The Grinch hatches a scheme with his trusted canine Max and fat reindeer Fred to ruin (laughs) Christmas when the residents of Whoville plan to make their annual holiday three times bigger that year. Steal all the Christmas gifts from from Whoville's inhabitants disguised as Santa Claus. Meanwhile, Cindy Lou Who plans to seek out Santa Claus to thank him for helping her widowed mother every Christmas. But little does she know, she is trying to blow the the Grinch's cover. <laughs> Can't make that up. All right, so <laughs> guys, let's uh, let's roundtable this. Um, who would like to start the 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 roundtable? Do you want to go like Lindley, Stephen, me? What? Doesn't matter to me. I want to start this one. Go ahead. <laughs> maybe we maybe we'll just do that. Like whoever wants to start it, they can. That's who. That's who it'll begin. So it'll go Stephen, me, Lindley. Go forth. Okay, so okay, so our options are either go see it at the box office You're or red box, box it? office or red box it. Do we have to choose only one of those two? <laughs> you can you choose box office or you choose red box it. That's the game. All right, then I'm gonna begrudgingly choose red box. I am going to also choose red box. Seconded. Um. So, first of all. And this is just Real a quick, mo- Stephen. Don't take. <laughs> I feel I I feel a monologue coming, Stephen. All right, Time. you want a monologue? You don't want a monologue? All right, here it comes. First of all, it is November 9th as we are recording this, ladies and gentlemen. That is also the day that this movie opens up in America. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just feel like to open it up like a, a fairly long time before Thanksgiving. It's kind of a bad idea. I mean, it's clearly supposed to be a Christmas movie. Why not wait a few weeks? Um, I realize you probably don't want to compete with the other Christmas movies, but I mean, is there really, I, I don't even really know what else is going to be playing. Hey, the Nutcracker Second came all, out the week before that. And again, no one went to go see the Nutcracker. Yeah. Did so, it really? Yeah. It came out last week. <laughs> is that out? Yeah. The Nutcracker Holy in the crap. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull or whatever. Oh yeah. Yeah, it went up against Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, oh, that's, that's why. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I chose a much better choice. <laughs> yes, you did. Second of all, who asked for this? Like, nobody wanted this. Like, are we going to update it for the kiddies of today? Just let them watch the original. 
I mean, they already tried remaking it with Jim Carrey a long time ago. And, you know, what did everyone said? Oh, I prefer the cartoon. And there's the book, of course. So fine. You want to make it for little kids. That's fine. Not my cup of tea. Uh, Dump it out. I will take water. All right. I will go. Um, So the Grinch. Why? Why are we doing this? Why? Why are we doing this to to society? I get it. Benedict Cumberbatch just wants something to tide him over between like the next Doctor Strange movie. But I feel like there are much better choices. He could be in a Shakespeare movie, okay? He could be doing some quality theater. What is he doing? He's doing The Grinch. I don't even... I will say this. I will say this about the movie. I cannot hear... Benedict Cumberbatch as the Grinch at all. Hey, his accent has gotten better. Yeah, his accent's gotten a lot better. It Maybe that's like what house. it was. Maybe um, that's what it was. It was a, it was a test. It was a, it was a trial to get him better at his American accent. Is yeah, that what this movie was? The thing is, though, Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing at is amazing at impressions. So, so that's that's even out that's even out the table, um, or out the window, whatever. Um, this. This this just sounds like like why do we need more story to the Grinch? Like it's a it's the simplest of stories. Now I know audience, you probably heard me bash at Stephen because he he asked why do we need the Nutcracker and the Four Kingdoms or whatever Realms. Crystal Skull, what have you? <laughs> the Crystal Skull. See, I don't even know. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody was a better movie. Okay, um, <laughs> I know you're probably saying like Marcus, isn't that a little hypocritical for you to say that? the Grinch doesn't need more story, but you defended the Nutcracker for having more story. Don't yes. let him forget that, audience. He yes, did. but it doesn't mean that the Grinch needs it. The Nutcracker, who knows the Nutcracker? I don't know the story of the Nutcracker. I know there's rats in it. I know there's a Nutcracker. That's about it. The <laughs> Grinch, uh, it doesn't take a genius to, to just make a movie, a 30-minute movie, where the Grinch gets up, decides that he's got to stop Christmas from coming, goes down to Whoville, steals everything, and then gives it back because Cindy Lou Who. Also, why are we continuing to try to make Cindy Lou Who happen? Stop trying to make Cindy Lou Who happen. She shows up once in the whole original cartoon. What did Cindy Lou Who ever do to you, okay? She didn't do anything. I just don't know, understand. She's the Barb of the Grinch. Okay, <gasps> that's who she is. She's insignificant. Nobody cares about her. Okay, she's the Barb. Get her out of here. Justice for the Texan. Justice for the Texan. You take that back, Justice Marcus. For the Texan. Justice for the Texan. Marcus, you basic. No, you basic. You basic. Oh my. Anyways, I completely agree. I say red box this. And this is this is an illumination production, right? Yes. Uh, why are we surprised? They've already done this with another Seuss film called The Lorax. Oh, that movie sucks. Yeah. It's taking it's taking a short story that didn't need to be fixed, throwing so much more junk into it to fit the runtime. Mm-hmm. Like uh, an hour and was 30. anyone surprised? Like as soon as we got the trailer for it, I was like, "This is going to be hot garbage." 
I just don't know why it's existing. Money, Marcus, money. How much oh. money are we actually getting from this? <clears throat> Somebody you needs know. to talk to Illumination and be like, is it worth it, guys? Is it really worth it? Well, I don't know. If we maybe, have any maybe losses. they've got like a rights agreement. If we have any losses, we'll just make another Minion movie. <laughs> 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 God, God, greed is a horrible thing. What's the next movie? Right. Next <laughs> Let's movie get off the subject uh, of the Grinch. Is the girl, uh, the girl in the spider's web? Mm-hmm. Uh, the premise is: computer hacker Elizabeth Salander and journalist Mikhail Blomqvist find themselves caught in a web of spies, cyber criminals, and corrupt government officials. This is. Not the sequel. This is not the sequel to the girl dragon tat- with the dragon tattoo. This is like it's like the fourth three book. books yeah. later. Yeah, this is the fourth book after the original author died. This is the one that was not written by him. Correct. This is the part oh. of the new series. Okay. So yeah. they're using this to kind of kickstart a new franchise with the girl the dragon tattoo and the girl in the spider's web. Um, I'll start this one. Box office. Really? I, I'll explain why, but keep going. Oh, red, uh, red box. Yeah, I'm going to go red box too. I'm going to, I'll explain why I, I want to, I want to see this. Um, I like Claire Foy. I do too. I like Lakeith Stanfield. I feel like there are good actors in this movie. Um, and I feel like if they don't, as long as they, as long as I don't have to have seen Oh, like sorry, I have read the other books in order to get this movie. I'm fine. You know? I I actually really enjoyed The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I thought it was really good. Um, a little long. There's a lot of details that we didn't really need, and it was a lot of details that you didn't get unless you read the book. Um and I forget, oh, David Lynchard, that's who that's who directed that. But he's notorious for doing that, for adding a lot of details from the books that you don't necessarily need to know um, yeah. for the movie. So I, I, I think that this could be a very good movie. Um, I'm interested also to see Claire Foy play Elizabeth Salander um, because I thought Rooney Mara did an amazing job with it. Um, and so I'm just, and so now Claire Foy, she's the third woman to play Elizabeth. Um, so I want to know, I want to see just how, I just want to see how she does with the character. And especially since we're not starting at the girl with the dragon tattoo. We're starting at this point in her life where she's even more of a badass that she's, she's decided that, okay, I'm going to start, you know, hacking people and basically being a vigilante. I'm going to be Mr. Robot. She's Mrs. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah so i i i i, I kind of want i want to see it i want to see it i want to see if it's good it's probably gonna disappoint me but you know what hey i gave it a shot 
<laughs> I'm only saying Redbox it because it's been a hot minute since anyone has really cared about the series. Mm-hmm. Or it's been in the spotlight. And I'm not saying it's not going to be good. It does look intriguing. I love all the people involved in it. But it's kind of been out of the pop culture hub for a while. So I, I'd say... I said maybe if you do go see it in the theaters, maybe not opening weekend, see it on a Tuesday or something like that. And yeah. if, if it's yeah. good enough, it'll generate that buzz to where people mm. will go see it. Because it it does have intriguing characters. It is an intriguing story. I just don't know if anyone really cares anymore. Mm. Yeah, That's fair. Steven. Um, so I'm going to have to contradict myself on something I said earlier, because I actually did, I seem to remember actually kind of enjoying the trailer for this one. I, it might have been the teaser trailer uh, where, like, I I can't remember the exact details, but, like, some guy is hanging upside down and he realizes he's about to be tortured. I did think it was kind of intriguingly crafted. Um, but here's why I would red box this one. One, I actually always meant to get around to reading the books um the original uh trilogy and um i remember like when the um oh gosh was it sony or mg i don't remember who made that one with daniel craig the movie version girl with a dragon tattoo but i remember fincher one yeah i remember thinking like even when that one came out like there was a really well acclaimed a Swedish trilogy mm-hmm. that people really liked. And I was like, you know, this is one of those cases I think I would prefer to watch the foreign film over an American remake. Um, and I just, it was one of those, like you said, Lindley, it's been a while and I just never got around to doing any of that. So for that reason alone, I would hold off on seeing this one. But another thing that really kind of irks me is that this isn't a story that was devised by the original author. Mm. It's like, it's like for me, um, <clears throat> I feel like comic books are about the only medium that can get away with that. Um, because I hate it when a sequel is made that was not made by the original author. Like, okay, imagine a sequel to Harry Potter that was not written by J.K. Rowling. Child? Or had no in. Well, or had no, well, well, let's go even further. Had no input from her at all. You know, what is it? It's just kind of glorified fan fiction. Um, and I, I, you know, just from a literary standpoint, I hate books that, you know, are tied in name only. And, you know, maybe the author tries to write like the original author, but because it's not the original author's story, it just kind of comes across as not true canon to me sometimes and so that's another reason like the story itself is already kind of stacked against me as far as wanting to go see it so definitely red box for me gotcha next movie uh overlord the new jj abrams war horror film um i'm going to be careful because the plot is actually up on wikipedia as of now um, as of this recording. So I'm going to read like just a little snippet. So it's not going to tell you too much, which I'm sure you'll appreciate. 
The plot follows several American soldiers who are dropped behind enemy lines the day before D-Day and discover secret Nazi experiments. Um, anybody want to take this one? I, I have a, an opinion. Go ahead. Uh, I'm going to say box office. I'm going to say box I'm office. I'm going to say box I'm office. Same. Yeah. This looks really... Oh, sorry, Stephen. You go ahead first. Uh, I literally, just as you kind of brought this movie up... Uh, just learned of this movie's existence and I'm reading the plot and this plot actually does sound interesting. Um, it was supposed to be a Cloverfield movie, right? That was the rumor. The rumor was that it was a Cloverfield because they just said mm-hmm. Overlord. They said Nazis. And so everybody assumed that this was a Cloverfield sequel or prequel. Um, gotcha. But J.J. Abrams came out and said, no, it's not. Now, whether it was intentionally and initially made for one, that's still up in the air. Mm-hmm. 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 But apparently, I guess there's no. I'm not. I haven't seen anything or like by accident that suggests that it's a Cloverfield prequel. But who knows? I don't this... think Cloverfield needs after Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah, I, feel I like think they're done. Pump the brakes a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they should. Uh... It's, It'll get convoluted um, if Overlord is also a... Uh... It's not already convoluted? Mm, could be. Don't know yet. Haven't seen it yet. No, I meant, I meant the theaters. Cloverfield franchise. Oh, the Cloverfield? Yeah. Oh, yo. <laughs> yeah, no, they should definitely expand on that one with, like, comic books or something from now on. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Or novels. Or, heck, yeah. Yeah, I'd just like a fill-in-the-gap about Slusho. Yeah, it'll be a badass novel, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Slusho's marketing team. <laughs> the life and times. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Overlord looks cool. I, looks I agree. I um I actually like the, the I really like the trailer. Um I thought that it uh it definitely grabbed me, it definitely got me uh intrigued by what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um it looked like Inglorious Bastards, but like as a horror film, which was nice. Not that there's going to be like comedic moments in this, probably, but um, it's definitely uh, it's definitely going to be like a movie that I'm probably going to see once and be like, you know what? I'm glad I saw it, but then never ever see it again. Like I'm not going to buy it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So if I don't see it in theaters, definitely, definitely going to red box it. Um, but I think I'm going to try to see this in theaters. Lindley? Uh, yeah, red box. Uh, sorry, box office. Yeah. Nice. Um, oops. I'm like behind. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to switch it up a little bit because I, I, I put a certain order and then I was like, you know what? It makes more sense to go to this one next. Um, just because it is, uh, it is different from the other ones. Uh, but we're going to do Instant Family. <laughs> no. instant uh, family. I'll start with this one. It... Well, one second. Let me do, the, let me do the stops okay. in, case, in the case our listeners aren't aware of what Instant Family okay. is. Um, so this is a new Mark, Marky Mark Wahlberg film. Uh, and it's, it, the synopsis goes like this. When Pete 
and Ellie decide to start a family. They stumble into the world of foster care adoption. They hope to take in one small child, but when they meet three siblings, including a rebellious 15-year-old, they find themselves speeding from zero to three kids overnight. Now, Pete and Ellie must hilariously try to learn the ropes of instant parenthood in the hopes of becoming a family. Lindley, you would like to start? Red box it. Red box. I'm going to say red box, but I'm going to tell you, I, but I'm definitely going to tell you why I'm definitely going to watch it. Uh, Lindley, go ahead and start. I'll tell you why I'm probably not going to watch it. Two mm. words. Mark Wahlberg. What? I, no. What? No. <laughs> um, I do like the fact that it's bringing light to foster care and mm. like promoting adoption. I do like that. I just, uh, just not just Mark Wahlberg. Blech. Steven. How many times have we seen this plot where, oh no, suddenly we've got to be parents to new kids. Whoa, shenanigans and hijinks. Like, the parent, the new parent plot is just so overdone. Look, becoming a new parent is like one of the most boring plots I can think of. Like, it's not funny. Like, we get it. We know all the jokes already. I don't even have to see a trailer. And I can tell you there's going to be a joke where, you know, the teenager talks back and they try to connect with them by pandering. And then the kid's not going to get it. And they're just going to roll their eyes and they're going to become distant and further. And there's going to be a huge misunderstanding. But by the end, there'll be a happy family. I don't care. This is dumb. This is really dumb. It's all red box it. I'm going to red box it, but I'm going to I'm definitely going to watch it because the director is the same director from Daddy's Home. Um and, and I you say whatever you want. Daddy's Home is a good movie. It's funny. It's, you know, it it's got the thing that I love about Daddy's Home is that Daddy's Home has equal parts comedy and equal parts heart. Um and this director seems to have his his finger on the pulse of what makes a good family comedy um and that's what and that's what this is this is a movie made for families this is not a movie made for like us three you know to like go to the movie theaters and watch this is a movie made for like families to go and laugh and share and have fun you know go go for like a night out you know to get get a little popcorn you know Kids are falling asleep a little bit. It's date night for mom and dad. That's what this movie is. Um, now I'm gonna watch it on Redbox because that's how I watch Daddy's Home. Um, I would have been mad if I went to the movie theater to watch Daddy's Home. Um, but Redbox, I'll pay a dollar. I'll buy that for a dollar. It's fun. It's a fun movie. I'm sure Instant Family is just as fun. Maybe not as fun because you don't have Will Ferrell um, for Mark Wahlberg to kind of play off against. And I think those two work really well together. Um, but Rose Byrne is no slouch in the comedic game. Um, she's, I mean, she's pretty doggone funny. Um, a la Neighbors and Neighbors too. Um, so I will, I will be seeing it, but just on Redbox. So I'll see you in a couple of months. 
Um, next movie, Widows. The premise, four armed robbers are killed in a failed heist attempt, only to have their widows step up to finish the job. Uh, would anybody like this one? I will. Okay, go ahead. I'll say box office. Steven? Um, I will probably give this one box office as well. I am also going to give this box office. Um, Lindley, why? I I really think the premise is interesting. And mm-hmm. from the, the early buzz of this movie, it's getting really good reviews. And something... I watched an interview with Viola Davis today, and something she said struck me about her character mm-hmm. in the script. So in... Liam Neeson plays Viola Davis's husband in this movie. And she talked about how she was playing, you know, a woman of her, like, of her race, 53 years old, Mm -hmm. and her natural hair, married to someone like Liam Neeson. She's not playing a prostitute or a slave. She's just a person. Mm. And what she said about that and her connection with the script, it really intrigued me. And I'm really excited to see that aspect in the movie about how mm. you, you have a very diverse cast in this. You have Viola Davis, you have Michelle Rodriguez. Um, oh, she, I can't remember her name, but she's in the great Gatsby and man from uncle. Elizabeth. Yes, Dr. you have her. Yeah. So I'm very excited to see that. Um, I'm ready for, some, you know, some BA ladies that are, you know, crushing stereotypes. Oh, wait a minute. You're not going to name your girl? What? You're not going to name your girl? My girl? Cynthia Revo. Oh, I forgot she's in this! Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah she's then in go this. Then go see it just for her. Yeah, so... Which I bet you, by the way, on a side note, I bet you they're going to tap her to be in the color purple. Oh, you musical. know. She won the Tony for it. She has to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, <laughs> just, I, Sorry, that was a side <laughs> note. <laughs> uh, yeah. So box box office just for some you know BA ladies crushing uh, stereotypes and um, gender norms. Mm-hmm. Do it. Stephen, what about you? Oh, uh, Lindley pretty much covered it all. Um, the plot does sound interesting, and I. I didn't see that particular interview, but uh, I did catch a trailer, um, and that I think that idea did kind of cross my mind. I was like, "Huh, that looks different." Mm-hmm. You don't really because you don't really see things like that in movies, and of course the star power. I mean, Viola Davis and Liam Neeson and others. It's just you know, it's, this could be interesting. So, mm-hmm. how about you? I um. I'm I'm a firm believer. I think Viola Davis has done something that, um, for black actors, I think that she has ascended stereotypes. Um, I would be shocked to see her in a in a role that is that is a stereotype. Because if you notice, like she's only played strong women probably since the Help. 
um, even on how to get how to get it with murder. Um, she's still very strong. Um, I've noticed that she is taking more roles to do her nat like that use her natural hair, um, which is wonderful. It's wonderful to see that. Um, now, on top of that, you know, with Viola Davis kind of being being the centerpiece of your movie, you know, it's like you guys said. There's n- there are no slouches in this movie at all. Like I'm looking at this cast list right now. Even lesser known people like uh, Brian Tyree Henry, who is he's amazing. Um, if you guys don't know who that is, he is uh, he plays um, Paperboy on Atlanta, and especially this past season, he shows that he is fully capable of handling a a part with a lot of heart um and a just a lot of of substance to it who does he play Um, in this movie is he playing the villain yeah he's playing one of the villains it's like him and then like daniel uh kaluuya there we go um who was in get out um, they're both, I guess, the main antagonists of this. Of this yeah, movie. because from what I've heard, um, I watched an early review of this because it has been doing the festival circuit. I watched an mm-hmm, early review mm-hmm. of it, and it said like it's been a while since he's been truly intimidated by an on-screen villain. So mm-hmm. there you go. Well, he, I mean, he. Um, there's definitely moments in this in Atlanta this past season where. He he just has this presence about him where he doesn't say anything, but when the camera like just goes right on his face, he um you get scared. Mm-hmm. Um and there's oh, there's one there's an episode. If you want if you want a true sense of who of what he can do as an actor, there's an episode where it's just him and he gets jumped and he gets robbed and he like gets chased into the woods. And there's several moments where he's not talking. There's several moments where he's just crying or he's just looking around. And he does so much in those in that in that episode that I was like, "Holy crap! Like, who is this guy? Seriously." Um, so I mean, like, definitely look out for for Brian Tyree Henry. I I mean, he has the potential to really steal the show on this uh, in this movie. Um, but again there's there's nobody there's nobody bad in this movie um even john bernthal is in here i mean i'm sure he's only in here for like half a second <laughs> but it makes me excited to see like like oh we're you know john bernthal's in this um you know and, and all these women you know viola davis michelle rodriguez elizabeth the bicky cynthia arrivo you know these are all women that i feel um especially those last three i feel like they haven't um these are like these are up and coming Michelle Rodriguez less so, right? Because she's been around for a mm-hmm. while. Um, but this is her chance to kind of step away from the spotlight of Fast and Furious movies and get into some like, let me do some acting like I did in Girl Fight. Um, you know, like that thing that put her on the map in the first yeah. place. I think we're about to get that Michelle Rodriguez back. And that was a young Michelle Rodriguez. This is a Michelle Rodriguez that has been like, she's gone through some stuff. She's been, she's been in movies. She's been in, in blockbuster hits. Now it's time for her to get down to the nitty gritty. Let's do some actual acting. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Guys, we have reached the end, not the end of our show, but the end of our, uh, our segment, Box Office versus Red Box, and we're going to end with a movie that is not getting as many good reviews as I thought it would. The Crimes of Grindelwald, the second Fantastic Beast and Where to Find the movie. Um, the premise. At the end of the first film, the powerful dark wizard uh, Gel- Gelwert? 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 Names are hard, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Grindelwald was captured by Macusa, the magical congress of the United States of America, with the help of Newt's commander. But, making good on his threat, Grindelwald escaped custody again and has set about gathering followers most unsuspecting of his true agenda to raise pureblood wizards and witches up to rule over all non-magical beings. In an effort to thwart Grindelwald's plans, Albus Dumbledore enlists his former student, Newt's commander, who agrees to help, unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. Lines are drawn as love and loyalty are tested, even among the truest friends and family, in an increasingly divided wizarding world. That's a lot. That's a long premise. That is premise. a long premise. They were really trying to sell it. Um, I'll start this one. I'm going to say box office. I'm going to say box office too, but I do... Come back to me. I have words. Mm-hmm. Box Steve. office. I'm going to see this... In, I'm, going to, I'm going to actually see this opening week because I... I was pleasantly surprised by the first movie. Now, I got to see it for free. Oh, that might have helped. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that that definitely probably helped, right? And it definitely had, and we've talked about it on the show, it definitely had its weak spot. Yes. Yeah. But, I, um, I, I'm, you know, we're talking about trailers, mm-hmm. right? The trailer grabbed me for this. Mm-hmm. And the trailer and every trailer that they've come out, like it, it hasn't like shown me too much. It just keeps making me want to see it. So I, I feel like I have to follow through. Now, whether it's, it ends up being a bad movie or it ends up being like a subpar movie, like what their reviews are saying, then, okay, fine. Then I guess I just wasted a couple of dollars. But I'm hopeful that this is not and I really I really want to see um uh, uh Jude Law as Albus Dumbledore. You mean Dumbledang <laughs> really, what is going on with you tonight? You need to cool it, girl, okay? You need to cool it. I'm thirsty, I'm sorry. <laughs> um what uh what do you think? I, I can you said come back to you. I completely agree with you, Marcus, except on one thing. I wasn't a big fan of the first Fantastic Beast movie. I thought mm-hmm, it was a little mm-hmm. cliche. I couldn't understand anything Newt's commander was saying because he whispered the entire time. And I honestly think right. that's a direction thing. That's not an Eddie Redmayne thing. It's direction. Uh, but it did give us some interesting characters. I still kind of wish Grindelwald would have stayed Colin Firth. Or just Colin Farrell. Sorry. Yeah, I do too. But I will say, I'm right now. I am not a big fan of Johnny Depp. 
but at least he doesn't look like he's playing a kooky character. Like, he's not going crazy with Grindelwald. In what I have seen, he is, and this is hard to say nowadays, he is playing a very charismatic villain. Like, someone Mm -hmm. who you could talk to and he can draw you in to his thoughts. Which I am predicting is going to happen to a certain beloved character. And it's going to crush one of my best friends. Um, But that's just a prediction. I agree with you. I was really intrigued by the trailer. I think the story of this movie is what's going to help it. Because Fantastic Beasts was a lot of uh, playing Pokemon Go with the beasts <laughs> with mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. like Ezra Miller drama going on right. and I do like Ezra Miller it was it just seemed out of place and then there was a scene where Tina was about to be magically executed like where did that come from mm-hmm. so I do think the plot of this one is going to be a lot stronger I think the characters and the stakes are going to be higher and it is going to have a lot more connection with what we already know about Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. To what extent that's going to be a hindrance or a, a blessing or a curse, we'll have to see. I think mm-hmm. the relationship between Grindelwald and Dumbledore is going to be really great to see. I'm still not sure how Nagini plays into this. This isn't a spoiler. Right. They have announced like the that a woman is playing Nagini, like she's she can shape shifts. Here is where I am very intrigued though. I know people who have seen this movie. And it's kind of like with we we're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody earlier. Didn't get as great a critic response, but audiences loved it. It mm-hmm. fantastic Grindelwald has a fifty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now, but everyone mm-hmm. I've seen loves it. Says it's improvement on the first one, but this mm-hmm. is what is getting me really intrigued. And this isn't mm-hmm. a spoiler, uh, but someone told me it is a good thing I have seen Cursed Child. Mm-hmm. So I'm. I think the the connection it has with the Harry Potter stories we already know is what's going to get my butt into the seat and praying mm-hmm. it's better than the mm-hmm. first one. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stephen, what about you? Finish us off. So. Um... I agree with most of what Lindley said there. Um, if you look back at some of the critical reviews for the later Harry Potter movies, like Deathly Hallows and Half-Blood Prince, they were kind of mixed too, largely because they were like, they could no longer follow the plot. They're like, what's a horror crux? And all these things that, you know, fans of the book could easily, you know, tell you what that is. But, you know, the story had lost them, basically. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, some of the reviews I've been seeing have been very mixed, too. And they just seem to kind of be like, we can't follow the story. We don't know what's going on. And and I feel like it's going to be that same thing again. Like, you know, fans are going to be in the know. 
but maybe not necessarily mainstream audiences. I can see that. Mm. Um, which I mean, to me, I don't, I don't, I don't mind personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, since these are not based on any actual books, they're just kind of set in that world. I think um, that is something that's kind of interesting. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, I I tend to kind of be distrustful of a lot of critics because, you know, a lot of times their thoughts are disconnected from what mainstream people would think uh, about something. I mean, a lot of critics consider Jurassic Park 3 to be the best Jurassic Park movie. Who in the world says that? Roger Ebert. <laughs> Don't believe me? Go look it up. Roger, he actually no, liked that Roger, one. No. But, you know, it just goes to show. I mean, you know, I mean, they, you know, even the best critics can have a an opinion that differs with the public. And that's mm. okay. Um, but that's why it's also important, I think, to see a movie for yourself and, you know, really learn to read the language of the movie trailers. You know, I think uh, you can see a trailer if it's a good trailer um, and judge for yourself if it's something you'd like to see or not. And yeah, I want to see uh, Jude Law as Dumbledore. I'm very curious to see a younger Dumbledore. I'm very, you know, I personally liked Newt's Commander. Um, and uh, I thought the characters were really, really the highlight of the yeah. last movie. I love Kowalski. Because I do think... I love Kowalski and Queenie. Yes. Oh, yeah. I really Kowalski want to see was, him again. Yes. He has to come back. And um, the others and... You know, the the plot was, you know, just kind of standard. But I feel like in being standard, you know, it was kind of introducing some elements that are going to play a bigger part yeah. in later stories. So, yeah, I'm hoping to see it expand on that. It was it was mm-hmm. almost um, like the the point of the first Fantastic Beast movie. And that shouldn't have to be a case for a movie. But the first one yeah. was made to set this one up. We had to introduce yes, Grindelwald. Yeah. We had to introduce the setting. We had to introduce Newt. Um, yeah, Newt. So I'm I'm excited but, to see what the first one has set but up. But you know what, though, in all honesty, this this to me could have been the third movie. You Ooh. could have established the world. You could have established the world in the first movie, right? And make it like a fun. And don't even tell people that you're planning sequels, right? You establish it, and you have rumblings about Grindelwald occasionally. Then the second movie, it becomes a little bit darker. You start to hear more things, but then that's when you start in with Credence. Mm, Yeah. And then Crimes of Grindelwald, that's your third movie. And then that's when you finally reveal, like, this is the true story that we've been setting up for. But Marcus, what about four and five? You forget that there's oh, no, going you... to be five Fantastic Beast movies. No, no, I'm saying like you, you keep going. Like I think you can keep going, but I feel like you, you, it's a missed up. You kind of, it's you kind of screw the pooch on yourself a little bit when you try to rush everything, mm-hmm. <laughs> DC. Uh, when you try to rush <laughs> everything in the first film, and it's like, why don't you just let it grow naturally? Why don't you just tell? Why don't you just concentrate on saying like? Okay, the first story is Newt getting all of these uh, Fantastic Beasts. He has to find them. He has to put them back into his case. That's the first movie. That's it. If you had just said that, we're fine. 
You don't need Grindelwald to show up at the at the end. You don't need the Credence storyline. You can have rumblings about it, and then in the second movie, that's when it becomes about Credence. You set up that storyline, and then you bring in, and then you end it with Grindelwald, with the big reveal about Grindelwald, and then the third movie, boom, Crimes of Grindelwald. That's a great third, I, to me, that is a great third movie. See, I remember when originally I think the Fantastic Beasts and and that was going to be sort of the template for all the titles. So we were always, uh, my wife and I were kind of making jokes about it. Like, what's the next one going to be called? Oh, uh, Fantastic Beasts and how to cook them. Fantastic. And then the third one could be Fantastic Beasts and how to train them. Uh, you just like, and we were trying to like, you know, how can you really make an engaging series out of titles like that? And then, so, and the next trilogy we're getting is Quidditch through the ages. Although, you know what textbook I would love to see a movie of? Hogwarts, mm. a history. I would love to see. <laughs> no, I would love to see. Boo, you nerd. 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 Well, you know what? On that I actually would kind of like to see the, the original founding wizards or of a, Hogwarts duke it out. Or a movie about the... Yeah, fa- the original founding wizards, Lindley. Not a, not a history. Not all that. Not all but that But, like, nonsense. that's what it would be based off of. Either a movie about the founding of Hogwarts or the founding of Ilfermorny, because that is a really intriguing story. That yes. is. That they is. need to go into more of Ilfermorny, yeah. yes. On that, but, on that note, I think I shall go to bed before either of you two gets us killed or was expelled. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this was a very fun episode. Uh, audience, hopefully you guys enjoyed these two new segments. Let us know in the comments what you thought. Um, obviously, we, we wanted them, we wanted you to get a full feel for them. So they ran a little bit longer than uh, than what they probably normally will. But, hey, if you like, if you like the length of them, we... Yeah, we might try to make them that length uh, all the time. Um, but we've had a wonderful, fantastic time uh, talking with you all. We're gonna, we've got some movies to check out, some movies to Redbox, um, some Netflix shows to watch. Uh, don't forget, guys, if you really enjoyed this episode, be sure to uh, hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, make sure you leave a comment, uh, give us some reviews, let everybody know that Popcorn Prattle is indeed the Film Talk podcast to listen to. Um, and if you would like to listen to, uh, sorry, talk to us um, personally, one-on-one, and get to know us a little bit better, uh, Lindley, where can the folks at home reach you? You can find me on Instagram at Little Lottie. I am also on Facebook, posting a lot of my cosplay goodies at Little Lottie Cosplay. Stephen, where can the folks at home reach you? Folks at home, you can follow me on YouTube. I have two channels, one for my earlier, more experimental stuff, uh, Stephen's Workshop. Uh, you can also follow my more professional channel, Bailey's Film Workshop. Got a new film up called Dear Grandchild. It's a heartwarming story. You should you should just share it with everyone you know. In fact, you should play it for your family at Thanksgiving. Plug, 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 plug. Plug, plug, plug. Or, you know, if you want, you can also share the new... A reissue of the Mountain of the Gods teaser trailer. It. It's exactly the same as the original one, just it doesn't have the um, ridiculous release date that I am definitely not going to make. <laughs> 
in it. So a little more uh, truth in advertising. And that's it. And folks at home, as per usual, if you would like to re- get in contact with me, you can always reach me at Popcorn Prattle, P-O-P-C-R-O-N underscore Prattle, P-R-A-T-T-L-E. You can also reach me on my own personal Twitter at M-A-R-C underscore Loveroy, L-A-R-O-Y. And if you can't get enough of my voice, guess what? There's a whole other podcast that is on every other week. When you're not listening to Popcorn Prattle, hop on over to Not So Famous where my man Mitchell Hansen is holding it down, okay? We're on episode two, and it's already on fire. You do not want to miss this show. You listen to... Not so famous. Then you come back here to Popcorn Prattle. Then you go back to Not So Famous. Then you go back to Not to Popcorn Prattle. And then maybe one day I can finish my audio drama, and <laughs> you can listen to that too, because I do too much. Because I'm a crazy well, person. Well, we knew that. But it's, but it's fun. Yeah, everyone knows I'm a crazy person. Uh audience, it's been real. But it is one eleven currently while we're recording oh my this, gosh, it is. and we got to go to bed. We work in the morning. Uh, Lindley, Stephen, are we all good? We're good. Excellent. Uh, audience, we leave you with this: from all of us to all of you, we wish you peace, love, and tranquility. You all take care now. Make your choices. You're basic.